I would call myself a regular user now, and I've been that way for about three years. Drank at one time, my friend had some and had it in like tea form, really bitter. It gave me a stomach ache. I definitely okay. have, yeah, like a warmth and like a relaxed feel. You know, like you're sipping brandy by a warm fire after a long day <laughs> shoveling snow or something like that. Three years now, four years, using it on and off. There's many effects and it depends on the type of strain that you're using as well. Different strains have different properties. There's certain veins in a leaf or something that you have to pay attention to. Some people might come at it from, you know, maybe pain management or opiate harm reduction. Yeah, everything's a bit like warm and cozy, like <laughs> got a, got a like, fuzz on it. Yeah, fuzz, exactly. <laughs> From Outface Productions, this is Listening Glass. Arjuna, what are we talking about this week? All right, so this week we are talking about a plant which you and I have recently discovered. It sounds like a thing from science fiction. So mm -hmm. uh, without further ado, what we're gonna be talking about today is Kratom. Kratom, or as some people say, Kratom, which kratom. I much prefer Kratom. <laughs> yeah. I like the long A. Yeah, I, I like the long A too. Plus it sounds a little more science fiction-y to me. So believe it or not, this plant, even though it sounds futuristic, and even though I had never heard about it, it has, mm -hmm been around for a very very long time as plants usually are yeah that's that's true there aren't that many new plants <laughs> in the world today so yeah we're gonna get into kratom but first i have a fun little quiz that i'm gonna take you through are you ready is it for me yes it is for okay. you and it's also for the listener as well so you can you listening you can follow along and see how you do uh-oh okay all right are you ready for this yep ready all right here we go Question number one, where did Kratom originate? And we have A, Africa, B, Hawaii, C, Central America, or D, Southeast Asia. I studied, so I know this, this, is, this is Southeast Asia. All right, ding, ding, ding. Well done, Robin. Oh, you, thank you. You got one point, all right. Yay. Question number two, what part of the plant is Kratom? And we've got A, the leaves, B, the seeds, C, the stem, D, the roots. Well, what part of Arjuna is Arjuna? Whoa. Deep, <laughs> deep questions here, deep questions. I'm going to have to go with the roots on that one. You mean which part is like the drug? Which part is the usable bit? For... Yes, correct. Okay, got it. Um, this is, I know this one too. This is the leaves. You are just a star pupil, I, Robin. Uh-huh. Star pupil. All right. I hope they get harder. This is... Next. Come on. Come on. Question. Which of these compounds is an active ingredient in Kratom? We've got A, caffeine, B, theobromine, C, mitragynine, and D, dimethyltryptamine. Dimethyltryptamine? Is that DMT? That is DMT. What was the second choice? Theobromine. What is that? Do you want to choose it? No. <laughs> that's that's uh, one of the active ingredients in cacao. Really? Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, I know this one too. It's the the mitragynine. <laughs> all right, I, you know three out of four. Well, let's see if I can stump you with this last question here. All right. Okay. Kratom is related to which of these plants? We've got A tea, as in the Camellia sinensis variety. We've got B coffee, C coca, and D licorice. Um. 
I was spacing out about the first one because it smells like tea when it's ground up, like green tea. But I know it's not. Wait, no, it's not related. I think it's related to coffee, which I think was the second choice. Yes, you are. Is that right? Furthermore, correct. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, I kick ass. That was a clean sweep. But I hope that you playing at home took track of your own answers. And if you won, then let us know and we'll send you a bunch of cash. Or maybe we'll just send you some Kratom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, so let's talk about Kratom. What is this stuff? Now, like we'd said before, I had never heard of it until recently, but I had this experience, and you probably did too, of walking around or driving around, conveying around the town of Eugene, Oregon, where we both live. And I started seeing these signs saying, mm-hmm. Kratom sold here. Mm-hmm. And it was always outside of like a head shop or some of our illegal marijuana purveyors. And so I always thought that it was something related to smoking, perhaps. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I, I had an idea that it was some sort of controlled or potentially controlled substance. Mm-hmm. So I just I started looking into it. And boy, I'll tell you what, what I discovered was surprising. And the people who came out of the woodwork in my life, who use Kratom, surprised me as well. So this is the question in my mind was, what is this stuff? Is it a drug? Is it, you know, is it something that you take in addition to drugs? Is it not either of those things? And it's something totally different. Mm -hmm. So this, this led us on this little path of discovery. And I also have to say I had some like initial kind of like class connotations with it. I think because Mm. of the, like the style or something of the way the signs were were done. The marketing styles that I see associated with it tend to be, I don't know how to say it, just kind of like brightly colored and kind of garish. And it just gave me the immediate impression of like, all right, I'm going to do this and like hang out at the bus stop and like <laughs> get drunk. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It, did, it seems like a little down market substance. Totally. Which is funny because in actual fact, it's kind of costly. Before we get deeply into that, let's just talk about a few facts about this interesting plant that we're all learning about here. The official name of this plant is Mitragyna speciosa. Maybe it's Mitragyna speciosa. The first thing I thought about when I saw that Latin name was like, it's a spell in Harry Potter, you know? (laughs) Like... Mitragina speciosa. Which gives you a migraine. <laughs> cure a migraine, is that what you said? Yeah, there you go. Cure one, not give you one. I was thinking okay. give you one. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's a very targeted spell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mitragina speciosa, it's an evergreen tree, and it is, in fact, a relative of the coffee plant. However, it is uh, much bigger. It grows to a height of about 25 meters or 82 feet. Whoa. So it's very, t- as a tall, it has a straight trunk, which gets to be maybe like one meter or three feet in diameter. So it's like very tall and very thin. The bark is smooth and gray, and the leaves are dark green and glossy and they can grow to be almost eight inches long and up to five inches wide. So they're these pretty big leaves. And they also have veins on them. And that's an important aspect of Kratom because a lot of people differentiate the different varieties of Kratom by the color of the veins. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of like red and white varieties. Is that refer to the vein color? 
Exactly. That's what okay. they're talking about. So yeah, so they have these dark green leaves and then the veins are these different colors. So there are red vein, white vein, and green vein varieties. Green, okay. And so these are all purported to have different properties, which we'll talk about a little more later. Mm-hmm. And this plant is indigenous to Southeast Asia. So you see it most in Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Myanmar, and Papua New Guinea. So as I read about it more, I discovered that if there's one place in the world that Kratom is synonymous with, it's Thailand. A recent study in Thailand found that Kratom was actually the most widely used drug in Thailand. Whoa, so it's like their coffee. Yeah, ish. Yeah. Ish, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting because it's been outlawed for a long time in Thailand. That's so weird. And, And yet it was still ubiquitous in the culture, right? Right. So traditionally in Thai culture, it was, quote, used as a snack to receive guests and was part of the ritual worship of ancestors and gods. Hmm. Do you know, because what form they took it in? Because it's the leaves that it's in. So do, do they make like a tea or just eat them? Or um, I know we, we've been seeing it in powdered form here in Eugene at the smoke shops. And sometimes they put the powder in capsules. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the specifics on that. I have a feeling that it's been used in just about every form imaginable. But definitely chewing the leaves was... A very common thing. In fact, chewing the leaves is very common in using it as a traditional medicine. And so people would chew the leaves in other th- uh, among other things to relieve musculoskeletal pain, mm-hmm. or perhaps to increase energy, appetite, or sexual desire. And then people have also used the leaves or made extracts, like um, you know maybe the juice, or maybe they suspended the leaves in other agents. Uh, and then use those to, like, as a balm for wounds. People have used it as an anesthetic. The extracts and leaves have also been used to treat coughs, diarrhea, intestinal infections, and it has even been used traditionally in Thailand to help people deworm themselves. Hmm, okay. These are all some of the more traditional uses. And, okay, so here's the interesting thing about Kratom, is that It has been used widely for so many different things. Right. That's what I've been gathering is it's been kind of hard to pin down exactly Mm -hmm. what its purpose is because of that. There's a lot of things that people use it for. So totally. So what might happen when you take Kratom? Well, it could give you energy. So some people actually use it like coffee and they'll take and usually it's the lower doses which will do this for you. They'll take, you know, a teaspoon, maybe a couple teaspoons of it. um, And that'll typically be maybe like two to four grams, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will use that to just give them a little boost like you would with coffee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, full disclosure, I've been doing that. So we'll we'll cover that a little bit later because I'd love to hear about what you've been up to. Okay. So some people will use it. As a, as a mild stimulant. And then other people actually get the exact opposite effect from it, which is it'll chill them out. It'll actually calm their nervous system down. Some people use it as a muscle relaxant or to actually help people go to sleep. 
It's generally considered that if you take it in higher doses, like maybe if you took a tablespoon of it, then it would be more likely to have the latter effect as opposed to the former, which is really interesting to me. I'm always interested in substances that have almost opposite effects when taken at different quantities. That just really fascinates me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the stimulating effect is at lower dosages, right? Like coffee yeah. dose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. But it also depends on the strain, which is another interesting piece of this. But before we get to that, a third really, really big usage that people use it for is in the treatment of chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And in this regard, it has been compared a lot to opioids for having similar properties. I wonder at what dosage that's effective, if it's the lighter one or the heavier one for pain and, and what kind of pain we're talking about. I think it varies very much individual to individual. Some people will, you know, maybe they have back pain, for example. And for some people, it will be an effective pain reducer. And for others, it won't. And I think right. that you could probably compare it to marijuana in that regard. Yeah, I think. And that's it's something I've found interesting as I've been asking people if they know about Kratom and if they use it is about half of people who have used it have used it as kind of how I use it as either a little like energy boost for productivity stuff or as like a kind of party drug, like either of those. And then the other category is people who've tried to use it for pain relief. So is that what you found too as you've been talking to people is it's kind of maybe half and half? Uh, I was surprised to find as many people as I did who've used it for pain. Yeah, it is definitely one of its well-known use cases. Yeah, I think party drugs, pain management, and the third one I would say is just kind of like day-to-day -day management. I think that's that's a good extra category because I wouldn't I wouldn't actually go to it as a recreational drug by itself per se. Um, maybe combined with something, or if I was just like a, a weeknight little recreational thing but the thing is like i i use it kind of like i would coffee except it doesn't mess with my sleep so you can use it at any time i'll just go ahead and play a clip here of a few of my friends who i've interviewed talking about how they use it i tried it and i really liked it it, it gave me a really great sort of euphoric feeling that seemed to last quite a while. Um, and for me, like, it was needed. Like, I have anxiety and, you know, of course, depression from time to time. And for me in my life, it was sort of like it came in and, and it helped me. So that's what got me started on it. And I was not a regular user at that point. I basically used it whenever I felt like I needed it. If I needed a boost, uh, needed motivation, I, that's what I would use it for because I felt like it gave me that extra push that I needed some days. I was in an office job, um, which I've left, and uh, it was very, very stressful. And I was using it a lot kind of as a stress management tool, as something I could have in the office and I couldn't really have a bottle of whiskey. In the, um, <laughs> and I was using it daily in quite strong doses and... I noticed that when I didn't get, I definitely, there, I, I think there's definitely withdrawal yeah. symptoms if, you know, but it, it took, you know, like I was using it daily, pretty high dosing. And, 
you know, when I wouldn't have it, I'd get a little sweaty, a little shaky. Okay. And I have also, you know, dabbled in other opiates and um, legal uh, subscribe. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, I mean, anybody that's kind of gone in that world a little bit, you kind of know that uneasiness and that sweaty, you know. So it's like one of those things where it's like, it's not completely without its, um, you, know, mm -hmm. ca you know, there's definitely caution to be had. So, yeah, this, this third use is kind of something that's, I've discovered a lot among the people I've talked to who are regular users who will often just use it in smaller amounts to just kind of help them get through the day. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's managing anxiety or whether they just need a little bit of a boost or just taking a little bit before bedtime to help them sleep. So I think a lot of people do actually use it in, in kind of the same half recreational almost like half medicinal, half productivity kind of way that they use coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the math really adds up there. No, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good way to describe it, I think. Now, this brings us to some of the challenges. All good things must come with some kind of a challenge to them, right? Kratom is not without its side effects. And I think actually the, the comparison to coffee is a good one. So this is what I understand. Now, of course, none of this has been established or evaluated by the FDA. So what I'm reporting here is purely just based on hearsay, what I've read, um, what I've heard from just the various people I've talked to about it, is that if you use Kratom in the kind of moderate amounts that we're talking about, a couple grams, you know, a teaspoon here, a tablespoon there, you're probably going to have a relationship with it that's somewhat similar to coffee. So the effects will last. This is an interesting one, you know. The effects will often last maybe four hours, six hours um, to go through the total arc. However, we did actually discover when we looked at it that Kratom has a long half-life. It actually takes, what, about 24 hours for it to go through your system? Well, that was the half-life we found on it. But in my anecdotal experience, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would give it a half-life. I don't know how to exactly measure that, but basically... Half-life, when you're talking about drug metabolism, is how long it takes for your body to process half of that substance and get it, work it out of your bloodstream. And so experientially, like what did, what was it for coffee? It was somewhere around eight hours. Something like that. And so, you know, you drink a cup of coffee and you feel pretty jazzed for like four, maybe five hours. And that's not even the half-life yet. But like you've peaked at that point and then it starts to wear off, but the caffeine will be in your system. Half of it will be after eight hours. And then, you know, eight hours later, there's still 25% of it in your bloodstream and so on. And so the idea of uh, the half-life we found on um, Kratom was like somewhere around 24 hours, which just doesn't really coincide with my experience with it. Because um, I'd stopped experiencing the strongest effects after about three hours, I'd say. So it's act it actually felt really similar to coffee in terms of the rate at which it's metabolized and the rate at which you kind of feel it and stop feeling it. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be borne out in the experiences of people I talk to. They'll often say that it'll last anywhere from 
two to six, maybe eight hours. I, I haven't really heard of anyone having effects of it other than just kind of minor your body coming out of it effects afterwards. But yeah, and, and so like coffee as well, it's something that you can over time develop an addiction to. If you stop using it, you might actually start to experience some side effects. So for kind of this mild, regular daily use, you are, some people will report, let's say you use it for about a month on a daily basis. And then if you stop taking it, you might have like headaches, you might have a little, some body aches, you might feel your body getting a little hot or a little cold, you might get a little sweaty. Some of these side effects actually remind people of opioids. Yeah, I remember the withdrawal when I was reading about it sounded a lot like an opioid withdrawal. Let's talk about that quickly. So the comparison between kratom and opioids is often made. One of the reasons is that the active ingredient mitragynine it actually works on your brain's receptors in a similar way that opioids do. And so it's not surprising that a lot of people report similar effects. Now, before you get all up in arms or worry about it too much, I just wanna say that there's a very big difference between taking some freshly ground organic kratom leaf versus taking a pill or taking heroin, for example. Right. Right. And that's because any of those, uh, you know, m most, most of the opioids you see around or the illegal drugs derived from opium are highly refined. So it's a very different thing than taking the whole plant, which is essentially what you're doing with Kratom. Uh, I actually haven't heard of anyone doing any kind of a, um, you know, a refinement on it like you might see with heroin or you might right. see with cocaine or some of these other drugs where people yeah. will highly process them and, and create like a white powder out of them. Which I find kind of amazing. And I wonder if it's just difficult to extract or, or what the deal is. Because that's usually the first thing people will do once they find out a plant is, has a powerful psychological effect is they'll, you know, refine it and make it more powerful. Um, and here, yeah, sure enough, I'm looking at the bottle uh, that I have the capsules in right now and it says ingredients, Mitragyna speciosa. So that's it. It's just the plant. Um, so I'm assuming it's just the ground up leaves in the capsules here. That's kind of a nice thing about it is that it seems like by and large, if you're buying it in a conscientious way, if you do a little homework about who your supplier is, then you're probably just going to get a whole plant, you might even get an organic plant. And it's not something much to worry about unless you're really taking it in quantity. Mm -hmm. There's been concern around, you know, like in the FDA, for example, in the United States, there's been concern around Kratom, which it's not surprising to anybody, I think, because they get all up in arms about just about anything that's not developed by big pharma. Mm, uh, has yeah. some long history of study by the Western medical establishment. Right. But there's been some concern about Kratom and the reports, there have been an increasing number of reports, uh, you know, like in the poison control centers, there's been more and more people reporting issues with Kratom. And my take on this is I don't think that Kratom is doing anything different to people 
than it ever did, I just think that a lot more people are taking it. I think that's really what accounts for that difference. Mm-hmm. Which I, I understand people's worry because we are, you know, there's an opi- opioid crisis right now in the States, which is terrible and it's costing a lot of lives and uh, just other damages, right? And so, you know, once I hear that something's kind of like an opioid, I'm honestly, usually I would discount it basically at that point and say, eh, like, do we really need more things that are like opioids in our lives? But it is, like you said, I think the main difference is the concentration. And then, you know, it's kind of everything toned down about it, including, you know, its potential for use as a recreational drug and abuse, and also the potential addiction. It sounds like it's similar to coffee in terms of the dependencies that people might form with it, with maybe a slightly worse withdrawal. But you know, coffee withdrawal sucks too. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point, you know, and I think that it's something that people don't really talk about enough. Mm-hmm. So everyone drinks coffee mm-hmm. and it's just a part of the culture. And so if someone, you know, if someone walks in the door and says, oh, you know, I'm on week two of not drinking coffee and, you know, they look like shit and their face is lined mm-hmm. and they have a, you know, they have a pounding headache. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they're, having chills or, or, you know, their body's kind of reacting a little bit. And a lot of people just kind of laugh that off and they say, oh, you know, that that happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you really stop and think about it, that's a pretty profound cycle that you get into where you take it on a daily basis. It has a drastic mood altering and productivity altering and energy altering effect on your life. Mm-hmm. And you do it regularly. And then when you come off it, you might have side effects for weeks. Dang, that's discouraging. I haven't not drank coffee in a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny because when you start evaluating a different substance, right, it can be really easy to say, oh, I I don't know if I want to get wrapped up in that. You know, that can be addictive, that can have side effects, that can, uh, you can have withdrawal effects when you come off it. But man, I mean, so does coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not to suggest that I don't think that people should do their homework when they're, you know, looking into a new substance. I mean, I think one of the benefits of coffee is that, you know, everyone you know has used it. And so it's just kind of a known quantity, right? Mm -hmm. And with something like Kratom, it perhaps isn't as much, you know, maybe, maybe only a few people you know have done it. Maybe nobody you know has done it. And so you don't really know as much what you're dealing with there. This show is sponsored by Megan Brandenburg Design, your brand illuminated. Does your project or business need a more cohesive visual identity? Do your marketing materials need pizzazz? Megan is your go-to. She also offers apparel design, product packaging design, and motion graphics. Megan worked with us to design the Listening Glass logo, and we love the stunning result. Megan is on Instagram at Megan Brandenburg Design. Find the full link in the episode description. It's funny how like drugs, like whatever, what we think of as drugs is just like, the, it's all the substances we don't do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like exactly. coffee and alcohol don't count. Just like, it's not because they're not powerful substances. It's just because like they're so ubiquitous that like drugs is this category where it's like other, it's different, it's exotic, it's foreign maybe, right? Which is, you know, we have a history of typecasting substances like marijuana as being associated with certain ethnicities and kind of making it 
like not mainstream, right? Making it other. And so we have a habit, a mental habit in America, and I think maybe a lot of cultures do of of doing that, which is pretty counterproductive, you know. I'm just a pragmatist and have been for a long time about substances and if you can use them to some benefit then go for it and that's exactly why i've been experimenting with kratom to pretty good effect which i'm I'm waiting to talk about that well let's get into it then so all right just give you a little bit of background before we came into this neither robin nor i had ever taken kratom Mm -hmm. and so in order to rectify that we actually went out and we purchased some Bali red kratoms. This is red veined kratom, which was described to us as being somewhat mellow in effect. And we figured it was probably a good place to start. And mm-hmm. also we were taking it in the evening. So we were trying to get something that wouldn't keep us up all night. Mm-hmm. We have an audio recording here, which will play, which will just take you through the process of us and our initial experiences taking Kratom. Here we are at our Kratom party thing. Yes, indeed. And this is our both of our first times trying it. Correct. And so I'm curious, Arjuna, what do you expect from it? Like, what are you looking for here? Yeah, okay, so we purchased the Red Vein variety from Bali. And so my understanding is that this variety is relaxing. Some people will take it to help them sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely hoping that it will help me sleep tonight because it is currently 8.30 p.m. <laughs> and I do not want to be up all night. So that's the theory. <laughs> okay. Um, as for me, I'm already in like a really stimulated, active kind of hyper mood. And I don't know why, I just am. And I expect I'll feel more that way. So this is what we're trying. It's called Whole Herbs. You do pronounce the H with this particular (laughs) product. Red Vein Barley Kratom. Now this is in capsules. Uh, It's organic. So we got the capsules, but I actually busted my capsules open and I mixed some in water. Hmm. So, and then Robin's gonna take the capsules. I'm just gonna swallow them, but I might open one up and eat it. It's just plastic capsules and inside is the pulverized plant matter. So yeah. I do want to taste it just to get a sense of what it would taste like. Yeah. So. And it's basically, it smells exactly like green tea. It's oh. Just, it smells like, indist- like take a sniff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it smells indistinguishable from green tea. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting. We read that this can last up to six hours. Yeah. We'll so, see. Yeah, let's see what happens. All right, I'm going to grab some water, but go ahead, try it out. Okay. <laughs> I am drinking my Kratom now. Ugh, that is bitter. That is some bitter green stuff. What does it taste like? Um, yeah, it just tastes like something very bitter and green and, hmm. and healthy. Mm-hmm. I imagine myself saying it tastes like plants when I do try it. Do you want to? I'll just take a sip take of yours. A sip Let me just take a sip. Oh, yum. I love it. <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> I love that. I'm I'm like a big yerba mate fan. Oh, and it it's got like, like yerba mate. it's got a similar bitter, strong, just planty kind of a. Sometimes sometimes I compare it to like a yard mulch almost, like the way that it mm. tastes is the same way like a yard mulch would smell. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw these mm. capsules down my throat. So I'm taking Ugh. five. Okay. I'm gonna take in all. I'm taking three grams of of the plant matter. I'm gonna do. Um, five 500 gram capsules 
and then I'm gonna eat the other capsule like and break it open. Nice. So yeah, my dosage, I decided to go with a much more conservative dose of 1.5 grams. Apparently that's like very much on the low end of what a person should start out with. I'm quite sensitive, so let's see how it goes. Oh my God. <laughs> Robin is pouring the powder straight into his mouth. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. That's really bitter. <laughs> Whew. Um, my friend Sam said he does it this way and he's like, it's like eating cinnamon. And I was like, that doesn't sound fun. This was easier than cinnamon, even though I've never done that. I've seen the videos. Yeah. This was like a really much more bitter than drinking it. Yeah. Doing the black dry matter just directly on your tongue. But oh, it's totally doable. I'm going to need more water though. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm going to eat some food because apparently it's recommended that you take it with food. And we will report back in periodic increments. Right. All right, so this is Robin and Arjuna checking in at one hour and 20 minutes. How you doing, Robin? I feel amazing, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like getting this warm, fuzzy kind of feeling, almost like a tingle. It's hard to explain. It's not like even a physical tingle, it's like, I don't know, almost like like a laughing gas, uh, like nitrous oxide almost, kind of like, very subtle though. Like a brain tingle? Yeah, it's like a brain tingle. And um, I I keep having like cheesy, like cheesy level, cheesy level of like happiness and gratitude and just like warmth, where I'm just like really stoked and happy to be here. (laughs) But it's like, it's not, it's not super powerful, but it's just, it's like definitely there, mm, you know, okay. which is nice. It doesn't feel like, I, I know some drugs, it feels powerful to the extent where you feel like a little out of control and I don't feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it just feels like a, like a nice gentle enhancement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you feel relaxed? I do. Yeah. yeah. I don't feel stimulated really. I just, I feel relaxed and content and, and also stoked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely I still feel gently altered given my low dose. It seems about right um, And I do I just feel relaxed. I feel happy. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm enjoying people's company It, it almost does feel like um, like I just had a beer mm-hmm. like one beer Maybe it doesn't feel exactly like like having had a glass of wine, but I, mm-hmm. I have that same kind of yeah My perception feels gently tweaked it does feel kind of warm, a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I could see if it was stronger, I would definitely be feeling kind of, just kind of a little gently hazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a little bit euphoric. Mm-hmm. I'm, li- I'm really liking it. Like this, I'm, I'm very happy that this is the effects I'm feeling. Yeah. So I could, so far I'm like stoked to continue using it already. Arjuna. Yes. Here we are. What's, Here we the, are. what's the time? We have been on our Kratom now for roughly two hours and 40 minutes. And by roughly, we mean exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's rough because I don't remember when I started the uh, time. Okay. But it's a, approximately two hours and 40 minutes. Okay. So, yeah, how are you doing? I think I'm already noticing the effects with going down a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. I'm, I feel much more normal than before. Still like got a little bit of the warm thing going on and I feel more energetic and kind of hyper almost a little bit antsy right now mm, too okay. and I'm not sure yeah 
I don't mm-hmm. know. I do feel a little bit more on the antsy side. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had like a couple of moments in the last like 15 minutes where I was like just a little bit irritable about little <laughs> things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is interesting. Yeah. Which isn't like out of character. Like I, I get occasionally irritable here and there. But yeah. Yeah. That's me. How about you? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, I feel like the effects are wearing off. I'm actually starting to feel a little sleepy, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's 1120. So that's not surprising, but I still feel like a little altered, but it's almost like that coming down feeling where you're not really experiencing the thing anymore. You're just experiencing the after effects mm-hmm. kind of in your body. Yeah. So yeah, I have a feeling that like in an hour or two, if I lay down in my bed, it'll just be sleepy, right. sleepy time and I won't think anything on it. You know, it seemed like universal appreciation mm. everyone who took it tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like every, everyone who took it uh, really enjoyed it and mm-hmm. seemed like they would happily do it again. Yeah, so. right there, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely excited to keep keep trying it. And I think it could play a nice little role in my life. <laughs> Potentially, we'll see. Very nice. All right. All right. So that was that was how long ago now that we did that? Like a week and a half or two weeks ago? Something like that. I remember some of what I said, and I was maybe gushing a little. <laughs> well, okay. So I'd be curious to hear, Robin. So since then, uh-huh. you have taken Kratom on a somewhat regular basis. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about it mm-hmm. as a more experienced user. Okay. I will say that each time I've used it, the effect definitely depends a lot on the state of mind I have when I take it and what I'm kind of expecting and like what my mood is and what I'm doing. Um, So the party, I I don't know if we could call it a party, the gathering in which we both took it that first time that we just listened to the recording of was a really cool night, right? Like, it was just like I was hanging out with you, which is great, and hanging out with Angelina and Nick, and we were just like hanging out, making food, doing a project, and it was just a cool. It would have been a great time either way, right? Um, whether we had taken kratom or not, and I don't take for granted, you know, social occasions like that anymore. And so I, I think I was in a generally like positive, like happy mood. So I think it's hard to disentangle. Still, even though I've done it several times, the experience I would have had with it or without it, right? When I take it, and so my impression from that night would have been, oh, this is like makes me feel pretty like warm and positive and grateful and things like that. And that hasn't exactly been a consistency as I've continued to try it out. And I've mostly been trying it out in the same dosages, around three to three and a half grams, mostly during my workday. So I work with computers at home. You know, it's like coffee is kind of my go-to because it makes me alert and focused. And um, that's what I need to do, right? I need to like just focus and stay concentrated and push through some work. So it was fairly effective at that. And it did, I feel like, lift my mood just slightly during the day when I took it. But there was this other weird effect, which was somewhat consistent. And it was even consistent that first night I took it, which was even though it's kind of um, paradoxical, actually, because I was feeling generally pretty good and warm, but I also had bouts of irritability and where I would get like easily frustrated with other people, (laughs) which isn't fun. 
And so I'm keeping my eye on that. I noticed it, it definitely related to a sense of like impatience with people where if I felt like somebody was maybe processing something slowly where I was trying to do like a prag- practical task and I was waiting for them to do their part of it or even like part of a conversation where they were like processing an idea and I was like waiting for them to get to like point B. <laughs> I was like getting noticeably irritated with people, which isn't, I don't know. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I noticed it two or three, at two or three different times while on Kratom. And I'm not sure, I don't think that's like a normal artifact of my personality. I'm certainly not like ultra patient all the time, but I noticed it, it seemed like maybe I get a little irritated with people, but I, I, it felt heightened um, when I was taking Kratom. So that's a weird paradox, having these kinds of like warm, content, feelings along with irritability and like having a back and forth. So I don't know. I, I think the jury's still out on it for those like two to three gram doses. And then I also just this last Friday, two o'clock in the afternoon, and I was going to take another three gram dose. And I took 5.25 grams instead. <laughs> Because <laughs> I forgot my capsules were um, 750 milligrams each. And so I was going to, I took four of them. And let me think, is that right? Oh, yeah, I, I took six of them. So I was going to take four. I should have taken four because that would have put me at 3,000 milligrams. But um, anyway, so I overdid it and got just kind of dizzy and nauseous. And I didn't really feel the warm funness that I'd felt before, I just kind of felt nauseous. And I ended up having to like cancel a commitment I had um, in the afternoon and just like staying home. And I actually was able to still focus on work and do my job. It was just kind of unpleasant. So yeah, that's some people say they take a lot and it's fine. I will say that was also, um, it's a variety called Mang Da, which is supposed to be a stronger variety. And yeah, I think that's also in the red variety. It's one of the red vein ones. So, and both of these are supposed to be somewhat downers. So I, I think I'm doing it wrong. I should probably take the um, white varieties if I want to use it as like a productivity enhancer. But so mm-hmm. maybe we'll do a follow up like snippet at some point on if I've tried that. But I feel like you've maybe focused on some of the negatives of taking it. Like what what have your positives been just kind of day to day throughout your work day of taking it? One thing I like about it is I feel a little more alert and aware. And even, dare I say, mindful. There's a kind of self-awareness that it's brought to me oftentimes when I take it. I wouldn't say I feel it consistently during its effect period, but I frequently notice it during its effect period. So, and what I'm talking about is kind of like introspective clarity. So, you know, if you do work that requires concentration and focus, like a half of that is just being aware of where your mind is wandering and the, and the flow of your thoughts and how you're problem solving and things like that. And if you're better able to track that and identify detours when they occur and get yourself back on track and even notice kind of the patterns in that, then you're better off. And I did, I have noticed that I tend to be a little bit more mindful in that way, which is really helpful. But again, it's like, those are instances during say like a four hour period over the course of several experiences and so they they still feel a bit anecdotal so the effects are very varied but that's a cool effect and so i definitely want to keep exploring it and 
seeing kind of if I can find a pattern. I know if you eat or if you take it on an empty stomach or not, it's supposed to have kind of an effect. I've heard that too. You should take it with some either food in your stomach or take it with some food. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not sure what the difference there would be. If there's one thing that I've learned about Kratom so far, it's that it seems to affect everybody a little differently. And so it can make it hard to recommend any particular kind. It can make it hard to recommend a dosage. I think if you're somebody who's considering taking it, then I would definitely recommend that you just do a little reading about it. Think about your use case. Think about what your tolerances generally tend to be for other substances and probably just start start light, you know, go easy on it. Like if you're using the powder, I think a one teaspoon serving is a really, it's just kind of a nice solid conservative serving that you probably can't go wrong with. You know, if you're taking it in capsules, then just taking like two grams is, is a very safe bet. Right now I'm kind of musing about how it sits right now in our own culture. And it's so underground right now, right? Yeah. It's so just kind of unknown and not well understood. And I, I'm looking for, I'm kind of hoping that establishments or institutions can kind of embrace it a little more. And what I'm thinking of is businesses, mm. right? Like think about how many businesses are built around cannabis tobacco, coffee, alcohol, kava, kava even, right? Like we have a kava bar here in Eugene and I'm kind of surprised that, you know, Eugene is kind of an alternative little city and I'm surprised we haven't seen any kind of restaurants or bars or those kinds of like service institutions embracing it and serving it. Cause I think there would be a following for that. The Kava bar is never exactly hopping. No, (laughs) I mean, it's a really nice spot, but there's usually about eight people in there. It's not a huge place, but, you know, you compare that to, like, a well-attended bar. It's just nothing, Yeah. right? And it's similar to a coffee shop, I would suppose, I suppose, in its attendance. But, yeah, I think it. I'd like to see it offered on more menus. Not necessarily that a dedicated Kratom bar or whatever would make sense, but it would certainly go well in a tea house or a coffee house. Mm. I mean, it's related to coffee. So there you I go. think there's a lot of, like, <laughs> cool combinations and kind of synergies waiting to happen with that coffee and its cousin so let's let's talk about that briefly then about mixing because this is something i've discussed a little bit with folks and again i hear mixed things so like some people have told me kenzie told me that it didn't mix well with alcohol for her she didn't like doing that and she liked to keep it separately And then I've also heard, you know, some people will say they'll take a little bit, maybe if they're getting high, if they're taking some marijuana and that it can really accentuate that. I mean, other people like to drink and have a little Kratom as well. Yep. I've talked to people who enjoy that. I've done that a little. I think I've done that once. I don't really remember. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly I've taken it by itself or alongside coffee. Yeah. Now, I would definitely caution you to... Just really, really know yourself and take it easy when you're doing that because I've only read about one fatality from Kratom that seemed to be linked to a person only using Kratom. 
Mm-hmm. All of the other ones I've heard about have been people mixing kratom with other things, and usually some pretty hard drugs or some pretty hard prescription medications. So I don't think that you have to worry about being the person who had a couple of beers and then took a, a teaspoon of kratom. But you know, you do. You have to know your physiology. You have to watch yourself. Definitely, if you're taking prescription medications, or if you're taking something harder, you know, like if you took ecstasy, or you know, if you went clubbing or something, then maybe hold off the kratom. <laughs> right. You know, mixing any drug, you have to be careful. Yeah. I've read a little bit about it too, and so far, I've been trying to figure out the effect of it on the liver because people. I've talked to people in town, and some people are like, "Yeah, it's you know, it's toxic to the liver." Um, other people seem pretty nonchalant and say it's not really a big deal, and it's unfortunate because I don't think we do have a lot of studies and and mm. a lot of science on it, and mm. so. You know, on, honestly, anecdotally, if I just like was really hard on my liver one night with like, let's say combining it with alcohol and I don't know what else would be hard on my liver, but like, how would I know that? You know what I mean? Like you don't wake up with like a pain under your right lung, like, oh, my liver, <laughs> you know, that's something we really do need medical professionals and physiological scientists to kind of like step up on and hopefully our institutions are ready to take on that sort of study. There's a lot of money going into drugs, but most of it's kind of pharmaceutical stuff. And Mm -hmm. I would love to see that. In the meantime, it's like, we really are, people literally will listen to this podcast, I suspect, hoping to find some good information about this substance. And unfortunately, you and I are having to rely heavily on anecdotes, right? And and people's personal experiences. And we're kind of trying to synthesize many people's experiences here as well as we can. But, you know, we're new to this. And so I'm sure if we continue to investigate, our conclusions will will be quite different a few months down the road. And so, yeah, I'm with you on stressing people's due diligence and be responsible and respect yourself if you choose to kind of explore it and see how it can benefit you. This is actually part of the reason it has been a controversial substance in the United States. So... It seems to me as if it was kind of flying under the radar for decades. And finally, in 2014, the FDA started to pay attention to it, or or at least they were probably paying attention to it earlier, but they started to make some noise about it. And I think it was because the rates of reporting, you know, people calling the poison control centers or, or people in hospitals reporting, uh, you know, people are having issues because of Kratom. It, it started to spike after 2010 in the United States. And I think that's really what put it on the map for bigger federal organizations like the FDA and the DEA. So this is just an interesting piece of US history here. So in 2014, the FDA suddenly decided that it was going to start seizing Kratom that was coming into the country because they were starting to suspect that it was maybe not a safe substance. And wow. Yeah. Wait, what? And this was just like any kratom coming in that they that was declared. They would. That they found. Yeah. So they apparently. I mean, maybe it wasn't all of it, but they they seized about fifty five tons of the stuff, and so there was kind of like this big bust going on. Even though it's not controlled. That's correct. Yep. That's absurd. Yep, that's correct. So, okay. speaking of that, in 2016, the DEA, different, different uh, department, announced an intention to 
place it. Uh, it's funny, they phrase it like this, to place the active materials in the kratom plant. So it's funny that they weren't specifically talking about kratom, they were probably talking about mitragynine, but they wanted to place it into Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substances Act. So basically make it a, a Schedule 1 drug in the United States. And interestingly, it drew some really strong protests. So 51 members of the House of Representatives and nine senators wrote to the administrator of the DEA protesting it, along with 140,000 people who signed wow. an online petition to the White House protesting it. Wild. Who are these people? Like, <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. It's like people are using this stuff, and they yeah. have been for decades, and basically nobody's known about it. Yeah. Well, we haven't known about it, but they, somebody's known, a lot of people out there. Yeah. That's wild. It's just weird. I mean, I'd literally never heard of Kratom until two years ago. Mm-hmm. So perhaps as a result of all of this, the DEA withdrew that, you know, they decided not to go ahead with making it a Schedule 1 drug. And then the only other really notable thing that happened after that in kind of a, a countrywide sense was that um, the FDA had to issue a recall in 2018 because there was a salmonella contamination. And so this was big news in the Kratom world because, you know, there was bad stuff going around. And I think all what all of this for me really serves to highlight is just the downsides of when a, a drug or a substance has not been studied, isn't regulated, is kind of in this gray area legally. And we've seen this so much with marijuana recently in the United States. But we get into this place where everything's a gray area and you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So I'm sure that there are plenty of purveyors of Kratom who would love to have their stuff tested, um, you know, who'd love to, to be able to put a stamp of approval on it. And as it stands at the moment, any lab testing that's happening on this stuff is just happening independently. You have to trust whether it's the farmer or the distributor that you're getting it from. You just have to trust what they tell you. There's no certifications around this. One of the reasons it's such a shame is that a lot of people have put forth, coming back to the opioid thing, a lot of people have actually put Kratom forth as a potential, maybe not a total solution, but having the potential to be a really strong solution among others in the opioid epidemic. And I don't, I don't know if you've read up on the opioid epidemic lately, Robin, but it is chilling. Let's just talk about the United States. This isn't even including anywhere else in the world. So in 2017 in the US, opioids were responsible for 49,000 of the 72,000 drug overdose deaths in the US. That's like two thirds. And furthermore, drug overdoses have become the leading cause of death of Americans under the age of 50. So Whoa. just like take that in for a moment. People under the age of 50 are dying from overdoses more commonly than they are from anything else in the US. And two thirds of those overdoses are opioids. That's wild. So this is a major thing here. And there are a lot of people, you know, Kratom advocates saying, we need to really be using Kratom to help with this. And a lot of people have actually had success transitioning from opioid addictions onto Kratom. And, you know, so maybe it's trading 
one addiction for another. But, you know, a Kratom addiction is a far less severe, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of mm. a good, what's, what's the opposite of a gateway drug? It's like a good exit drug. When you're, when you're coming off of heroin or fentanyl or, you know, any of this harder stuff, having something like Kratom to ease that transition can be really vital. Right. That's an amazing potential use. And people, a lot of people are aware of that. And I'm hoping that can continue to be used to kind of mitigate that crisis. Once again, it leads to this question of what's really motivating regulations on substances, you know? Who's lobbying? Whose dollars are circulating around these conversations? There's some good journalism out there on how much medical institutions... Uh, I'm not saying everybody in medical institutions has their hand in this, but there are a lot of players, including doctors including pharmaceutical companies who are making a lot of money off of the distribution of legal pharmaceutical grade opioids and not necessarily like legitimate ways, but you know, a lot of people are making money off of just legitimate prescriptions too mm. and right. not following their oaths as healthcare professionals. And it's really no secret that pharmaceutical companies have known about the addictive potential of these substances for a long time and have continued to downplay those risks and to get them into as many people's hands as possible, which is like a criminal thing in my opinion. Yeah, if not legally, then definitely ethically criminal. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go here, I just wanted to kind of ask a question that I've been having, which came up for me with Kratom. And I don't know, I just, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. So, so here's the question. If you can take something every day and it makes a noticeable improvement in your life and the only noticeable price you have to pay is that you become addicted to the substance and that your life is just kind of measurably worse than without it. How do you feel about that? It's not even a philosophical question for me. <laughs> because it's like a practical, it's a practical question. It used to be philosophical, and it's a, it's a decision I made a long time ago, and I've been drinking coffee every day pretty much ever since. And it goes, it goes for a lot of substances, I think. Like, I, I drink a fair amount of alcohol like it's at least like a couple of times a week right and so i guess that's not really a dependency but i'm certainly dependent on coffee and i think it used to bother me on a philosophical level that i am dependent on something and that i if i were stranded on a desert island i would have this crutch and i would suffer for not having it right and i don't know i've kind of let go of hypotheticals like that and i've quit coffee, you know, I quit it periodically and kind of reset. It's just, it doesn't really bother me, I guess, anymore. It's so available. Like the, the vulnerability of being dependent on it isn't really significant. My housemate would probably disagree, but I use pretty mild quantities <laughs> of it, meaning like two cups a day, but they are admittedly strong cups of coffee, I must say. I love that availability is one of your criteria. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a practical guy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I find this interesting. So I have been very puristic in, in questions like this. I hate the idea 
that my life wouldn't be as functional or as livable without some particular substance in it. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because then you get around to the idea of supplements, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't currently take that many supplements, but I have throughout my life. And I know a lot of people who do take a lot of supplements. And like my partner, for example, she takes many, many supplements every day. And the moment she stops taking some of them, her life gets measurably worse. And it's just interesting because I think a lot of people draw a line there where they're like, okay, well, I don't want to be dependent on coffee because that's like a drug, right? Right. First of all, I want to know what substances she's taking, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, but it's like iron it's you know it's okay for me to take my iron every day you know because that's something that my body really needs that i'm deficient in Mm -hmm. but as soon as i'm taking coffee every day all of a sudden that's a concern and that's just interesting to me that i think everyone has a line they draw between like regular food supplements that are good for my health and then drugs that are maybe like give me a mood bump, right? Or give me an energy bump. I think that the lines between these things seem rather arbitrary. For example, it's common for people to think of food as medicine. And the main difference between something that's purely medicinal and something that's food, but also medicinal, is that food tends to come with um, some calories, right? Or some other like nutritional benefits, usually calories, right? It's going to have some calories, it's going to have some other like general like proteins, sugars, fats, you know, stuff like that, some bulk and to provide those calories. And, but really all of these things have very intricate, intimate, deep rippling effects on our physiology and psychology. So, you know, most food doesn't alter our consciousness in a super noticeable way, but you know, I've been talking to a lot of people who would disagree with me by Mm. saying that because of the, the impact that food has on our um, intestinal tract and the the kind of biome or um, biota that are in there and that there's a really strong connection between the health of the, I think it's called biota. I can't remember the word. Basically the, the living, the whole living system inside your gut of bacteria and the health of that system is very much determined by the types of foods you eat. And depending on what's going on in there, I was talking to my friend Alex today, and he said, basically, you have the equivalent of a cat's brain worth of neurons in your gut and stomach. (laughs) Wow. That are picking up signals from, I'm assuming it's distributed, those neurons are distributed across the stomach and probably small intestine, maybe the large intestine too. And the signals that you get from there have a huge impact on mood and happiness. So these things are very blurred together. And so when you eat a cheeseburger or you eat an apple, there might be a slightly acute effect on mood, probably not an overwhelming one. But each of those things makes a small impact in terms of the biome that exists in your gut and change will, will alter the course of that, that kind of ecosystem, right? And... And in turn, it's still a little fuzzy to me, and maybe this is a future show topic, how that community of organisms is affecting those neurons. What are those neurons sensing, I guess, is, is maybe my first question. And, and what kinds of signals are they picking up? But anyway, strong connection, probably a little off the point, but... <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like all of us have had that conversation with our stoner friend where it's like, everything's a drug, man, you know? What is a drug? And well, well, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think a lot of those conversations are particularly productive. Mm-hmm. What I find more interesting is just examining where each of us draws the line and what logical arguments we make to each other, what basically what rational and irrational arguments we make to ourselves about the mm. things that we put into our body and why we do it. I think it's a good conversation to be in with yourself on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And I think it's interesting how when you get really, really honest with yourself, uh, I think that's that's when some of your rationalizations for certain things start to break down and other things hold up, right? Right. And so I think we all have this conversation. Like, for example, I've heard friends of mine... I don't know, you included maybe, hopefully I'm not outing you here, but I'm just talking about like, oh, you know, I'd like to drink a little less during the week, right? Totally, yeah. Or, you know, yeah, I'd like to have a little bit less coffee or I'd like to do this less or I'd like to do that more. And Mm. it's interesting how a lot of that stuff isn't necessarily rooted in like some deeply thought out logical process so much as just you know, you kind of check in with yourself at the end of the month and you just think like, mm, I just don't feel good about that, right? Well, yeah, well, there's consequences, right? Like yeah. there's cost to these things. Um, alcohol is very costly, right? In terms of its effect on the body. Mm, and right. even, you know, two or three beers and the next morning, it's like, I have a delayed start. You know, it's like two hours or more, probably more, you know, before I'm like in full gear. Right. As opposed to if I haven't drank for a couple of days. And so that's like really pretty significant cost. That's that's what comes to mind for me when I evaluate a substance. And it's something I'm kind of like stoked about Kratom for is I haven't noticed a lot of after effects. So my attitudes for, sub- for substances, and I think this is different than yours, is if I can use something that's making me like better, faster, stronger, happier, then hell yeah. As long as there's not some disproportionate side effect that's actually bringing me down. There's always potential for abuse. And then it's a balance, right? It's like figuring out those costs and benefits and, and being honest about them. It's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. hard balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing conversation for sure. Well, I think that brings us to about wrapping up this topic. I just wanted to give a disclaimer here which is that you know everything that we're talking about on this podcast is stuff that we've read on the internet and stuff that we've heard from random acquaintances of ours nothing that we've said here has been evaluated by any kind of professional you know i just want to make it really clear that you use substances like kratom at your own risk and i would just encourage anyone who's interested by this conversation to go ahead and just do your homework. And also, depending on where you live in the world, Kratom might be an illegal substance. So just do your homework on that too. Mm-hmm. I'll, I've, I've got a list here that I made. I'll just read down quickly that Kratom is either illegal or in some ways controlled in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the UK, Ireland, Denmark, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, Sweden, Malaysia, which is interesting because that's like one of the, it's, it's one of the mothers of Kratom, Malaysia. 
And Thailand just legalized it for medical use after it being controlled in some form or another since 1943. Wow. So, and that really is, that's like the heartland of Kratom. So it's, you know, it's also controlled in the U.S. states of Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Vermont, and Wisconsin. And this stuff's changing every day. So just, you know, kind of pay attention wherever you live, pay attention to how legal or illegal Kratom is and factor that into your decision about whether you want to pursue trying it or not. But apart from that, I would say based on my experience of trying it once and hearing a bunch of other people talking about it, I would say Kratom could be pretty cool. I would recommend that you give it a try if you're looking for a substance which you could use either recreationally or day-to-day, something that could either help you sleep or give you a boost during the day, which may come with lower consequences than a lot of other choices that you have available to you. If you're trying to manage chronic pain, for example, and maybe... CBD doesn't work for you. I think Kratom could be a much lower impact painkiller than just about anything you can get over the counter or from a prescription. I think you could use it with potentially, and this this is my un, uneducated guess here, but I think you could use it with potentially less side effects than a lot of other painkillers that you could be using in the long term. Mm-hmm. So I think there are thousands, if not millions of people in the world who have looked at Kratom for various reasons and have decided that it is a better choice for them than the alternatives. And I think that could be you as well. Yeah. You're talking about me or the listener? (laughs) (laughs) Just the the rhetorical you. (laughs) Yeah. And if you guys do the rhetorical you, if you... Do try it, and you have anything to report? Maybe join our Discord and and leave a comment, and there or, or maybe there will be some discussion around it. If I discover anything more to share, I'll, I might try to share it in there. So I'm curious what people will report on it, and I think we do need we do need people to report on this and just to kind of share their experiences because there is a dearth I'm finding of information. So yeah, share. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Listening Glass. If you've enjoyed this show, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends and on social media. Your word of mouth means a lot to us and is a way you can help our humble podcast grow. Find us on our Twitter handle at Listening Glass. You can leave feedback there or by emailing us at listeningglasscast at gmail.com. Join the ongoing discussion in our community by joining our Discord server, linked in our episode description. This episode features the track This in Sitta by Mac Woodruff, the track Dr. Beauchef, Penguin Dentist by Kneebody, and also the track Lipton Service Boy by Eero Johannes. We're incredibly grateful to these artists for letting us feature their work. Find more information about them in the episode description. Special thanks to Kenzie, George, Casey, Nick, and Angelina. Until next time.